everybody. This is Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics, the law, and a lot of things in between. We have all of those things to talk about today. I'm joined by the show's co-host and producer, Joe Armstrong, and I'm Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson. Hello, Jessica. It was a big day yesterday in California politics. And why are we talking about a California politics story on a show that talks about things on a national and international scale? It's because the numbers plainly show California's economy on any given day, Jessica, is between the fifth and ninth largest economy in the world. It is the most populous state in the United States, as well as the state with the highest GDP. So the person who sits in the governor's seat in California has a lot of play and a lot of responsibility. So that's why we're talking about this thing as far as a national issue versus a state issue. And I hope you will all ride along with us. All right, Joe, so tell us about the overall turnout numbers. Who actually showed up to vote? Was this a representative percentage of the electorate? Did voter turnout exceed expectations? Was it a little lower? Where are we on the general turnout numbers? Well, it's still early. We're taping the day after the election, so ballots are still being counted. But there are already some trend lines emerging from the data. So let's break it down. The California recall ballot is pretty simple. There are two questions. And question one is simply whether or not the sitting governor, in this case, Gavin Newsom, should be recalled or removed from office. Polls closed last night at 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, and the recall election was called for Newsom before 9 p.m. even rolled around. But before we start throwing a whole bunch of numbers at you, let's remember that these are unofficial results. The California Secretary of State Office website says that their office will quote, summarize and certify the county reports in the official statement of vote on October 22nd, 2021. We don't anticipate any problems there. As for that question, question number one, the first of the two questions on the retail ballot read, quote, shall Gavin Newsom be recalled, removed from the office of governor? By the time we're taping this podcast, there were 9.1 million votes cast on that question. That's question one. The yeses had 3.297 million votes. That's 36.1% total. The no's had 5.840 million. That's 63.9%. When you parse the raw numbers, turnout was pretty high. Given that the electorate favors Democrats by a two-to-one margin in California, the early results have reflected that strong Democratic majority. And that was good news for Newsom, who, after being dogged by this recall effort since February of 2020, can likely begin his re-election campaign for 2022. Now, Newsom himself said last night, quote, no is not the only thing that was expressed tonight. And he also said, I want to focus on what we said yes to as a state. We said yes to science. We said yes to vaccines. We said yes to ending this pandemic. Okay, Joe, let's focus in on question number two, which is if Governor Newsom were in fact recalled, we know, of course, that he will not be, then who the next governor would be. There was a list of 45 different candidates. The Newsom campaign, I think, um, in a decision that was not particularly wise public policy, said don't even fill out question number two. But Joe, was there a lot of ballot drop-off? Who actually did show up for question number two? And what did the numbers look like? 
Okay, Jessica, for question two to even be relevant, the vote tally from question one has to be 50% or greater. We talked about those numbers a minute ago, so we're not going to rehash that. We also know that Newsom will remain in office. But as you said, there were dozens of candidates to choose from, and California voters didn't need to select any candidate at all for the ballot to be viable on that second question. In fact, the Newsom administration was vocal about voters leaving the second question blank, with the reasoning being that voting no on the first question and leaving the second question blank didn't muddy the waters about wanting to retain Newsom as governor. It was kind of a gamble, a hell of a gamble, because the Democratic strategy for the 2013 Gray Davis recall was the same, and it backfired. Davis became the only California governor to be successfully recalled, and Arnold Schwarzenegger ended up winning the most votes and became California's governor, or governator if you're into those sorts of portmanteaus. All of this said, Jessica, there are still relevant data in the numbers of the challengers. Talk radio personality Larry Elder emerged as the frontrunner over the summer, and he did garner about 2.74 million votes, and that's nearly 47% of the votes out of those dozens of challengers. But, and this is a very important but, approximately 44% of the California electorate left question two entirely blank, which means that although Elder was the winner of the losers, her percentage of the overall votes was lower as a result. Think of it this way. These are the overall totals. Larry Elder, Republican Party preference, 2.373 million votes, which is 46.9%. YouTuber Kevin Pafrath got about 500,000 votes, 497 and change. That's 9.8%. And former San Diego mayor Kevin Falconer got 436,070 votes. That's 8.6%. Now, everyone else just had smaller tallies from there, a lot of them below even 1%. But with so much of the electorate leaving that second question blank, like I talked about a second ago, it shakes out like this. The numbers change a little bit. Those blank votes, those ballots, that was 44.7% of everything. Elder only had 26%, Paf Frath had 5.7%, and Falconer had 4.8%. So that's the, the number's a little different there. So although the race is expected to tighten a bit as the remaining ballots are counted, there simply aren't enough votes for Republicans to make up the difference. So Newsom will stay, and Republicans don't have much to build on in a demonstrably blue California. All right, Jessica, now that we've talked about all those numbers, and there were a lot of them, let's talk about the why in terms of this election. Take us away. All right. So what happened? Why was this such a resounding defeat? I think a few reasons, and they actually begin and end with the fact that this election happened in blue California. In California, about half the voters are Democrats, about a fourth are Republicans, about a fourth are declined to state voters. And if you look at those registration numbers, if you look at the math, it is really, really hard to win statewide office in California as a Republican, even in a special election. So I think you know, the most important thing to remember is that this election, again, did in fact happen in blue California, a bluer state than it was in 2003 when we voted to recall Governor uh, Gray Davis and we elected the governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, what else happened here? I think one of the best things that happened for Governor Newsom was something that, Joe, you and I talked about before. There was a poll about a month ago that showed this election was a dead heat. And I think that was great for Governor Newsom because he was trying to tell people kind of two things at once. One, this is just a fringe movement. But two, don't ignore this fringe movement because if you don't show up to vote, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose my job. And 
Newsom's biggest weakness all along was voter apathy. And that poll that showed a dead heat, or the polls that showed a dead heat, I think really helped the Democratic base say, oh, wait, I think we need to send in our mail-in ballots. It's sitting right here on my kitchen table. I kind of felt like I didn't need to open it. Look at the 45 people that are running in question number two. But now that it's so close, maybe I need to. And then, Joe, let's not forget the gift that kept on giving to the no on the recall campaign, the anti-recall campaign, which is conservative talk show host Larry Elder. I mean, every time he said something, it felt like he was actually speaking for the Newsom campaign. There were statements that he made that were just so out of touch with the average member of the California electorate. And he allowed Governor Newsom to say, it's not just about whether or not you like me or you want me to keep my job. It's about two very different views of what you want California to look like. Do you want California to look like a democratic state? Or do you want California to look like it's led by Trump light? And he's, he, let's also remember that very recently, there was the decision in Texas, Joe, that you and I talked about, the abortion restriction that went into effect and the Supreme Court decision that allowed that restriction to go into effect. And Governor Newsom was able to say, look, I want to make sure that we don't look like Texas. So don't elect somebody who you know, looks like a mini Trump. And you saw that same talking point was uh, picked up by President Biden when he came to campaign for Governor Newsom. So you know, in some, what was it? Registration numbers in California, that poll that showed this was really close, and Larry Elder. That's exactly right, Jessica. Now, full disclosure, I at one point worked with Larry Elder, not directly in a sense that I worked on a show that he had on a radio station, but I did fill in on his show a couple times just so everyone knows where we're standing in terms of that. But Jessica, I would agree and also say that in some ways, Larry Elder was the best thing that could have happened to Gavin Newsom in terms of this recall campaign because it gave him one candidate to push against instead of dozens. So that simplified the race, turned into a two-horse race, so to speak. But Jessica, let's move forward from here. What does this mean? What does this outcome mean for the future of recall efforts on the whole in the state of California? Yeah, I think we need to be careful to take too much away from the future of recall efforts in California. And in fact, you know, more broadly, uh, recall efforts in any state that allows for the voters to directly say, uh, you know what, we don't want you to serve out your term, elected official. We're really, really unhappy with you. So we're going to go ahead and call you home before your term is over. Now, a couple of things happen in this recall that I think should make us circumspect about reading too much into what this means for the recall generally in California. One, of course, is that there was that state court decision that allowed the proponents of the recall more time to gather signatures. Without that decision, you just don't have a recall election at all. And that decision was in part based on the pandemic, that it was difficult to gather signatures. And then you have the Newsom campaign not appealing that decision. So that was a kind of a one-off situation. It didn't explain to us anything systemic about the recall. You know, what else happened? Governor Newsom and some unforced errors. We just talked about one of them, which was not appealing that decision that allowed signature gatherers more time. He also forgot to file uh, to say that he was, um, in fact, a Democrat, although I think in the end that made really no difference. But 
I hate to use these two words because they've been so overused in this recall, but French laundry, Joe. I mean, just at the moment when Governor Newsom was asking us to sacrifice, telling us not to see friends and family, there he is at a very exclusive restaurant with people outside of his household in kind of an indoor-outdoor situation. And look, I don't know that we've ever seen such a politically expensive dinner before. And look, what else is going on? California has a fairly easy recall process, by which I mean in California, it's comparatively easy to get a recall qualified for the ballot and then to hold that recall. So I think what this means is a couple of things. One, it's not going to incentivize more recall efforts. I think some people will now be circumspect about whether or not we should actually start a recall in California or elsewhere, given how resounding this effort was defeated. But then we already know, as we're having this conversation, Joe, people are talking about efforts to reform the recall in California. And that is worthwhile. I mean, let's remember, imagine there's 100 voters who showed up yesterday to vote in the recall. We know there was far more than that. But imagine there's 100 voters, 49 vote no on the recall. That means the recall passes with 51. But then only seven people vote for Larry Elder. That's just a really weird mismatch where 49 of the people who show up want to keep Newsom, but seven are able to pick somebody else. And so that is something that should be revisited. That's a long way of saying it tells us a lot and almost nothing about the future of recall efforts in California. All right. And what about Newsom himself? He is likely not done with his political situation. What does this mean for his future, politically speaking? Yeah, I think the conventional wisdom as we're recording this episode is that he's going to sail to re-election in 2022, which, remember, is not that far away. Um, But if there's anything that the last few months have taught us, I think we need to have humility and modesty when it comes to these political predictions. And look, right now, because Newsom was able to so soundly and resoundingly defeat this recall effort, he looks very strong. And I think that Democratic challengers will be thoughtful and careful about trying to challenge him in the primary. We don't really have primaries in California, but for lack of a better term, in our jungle primary, I think he probably won't face a serious challenge as a result of this strong showing. And then he will probably be reelected. But let's remember, a lot of things can change in any state, but particularly in California. And so let's not count those chickens before they've hatched. And then Assuming that Governor Newsom does, in fact, serve a second term, he's termed out, but he's young, he's ambitious, he's not done having public office on his resume. And then the real question is, what's next for him? There's only so many seats at the political table, and he's got to pick one of them. You know, one of the kind of interesting things people are talking about, uh, will he run against his frenemy, for lack of a better word, um, Vice President Kamala Harris to be the next president of the United States. I don't think we're going to see that. But look, we all need something fun to talk about. And for me, that's fun to talk about. Indeed, it is, Jessica. I know you spent a lot of time doing media yesterday, even some more today as these numbers have been coming in and the election was rejected. But I'm sure you've got some takeaways here. What are your biggest takeaways? What are the meta issues that you've been thinking about now that we know what the score is here? So the biggest takeaway, I think, is what 
I already talked about, which is that this election happened in California with California's voter registration numbers. And therefore, kind of the, the fundamentals of this election were just against anybody challenging our Democratic governor, Gavin Newsom. But my other big takeaway is something I just wrote about it. I'll drop the op-ed into the notes for the episode. And that is that there were baseless accusations of voter fraud. And in fact, before even one vote was tabulated, Larry Elder's website linked to another website saying, you know, we've looked at the statistical analysis. Clearly there was voter fraud. Um, They jumped the gun clearly on releasing that website and linking to that website. And they said, you know, click here to report inconsistencies and irregularities. And it, you know, for a second, it feels funny to talk about the fact that they accidentally said, we can already see that there was voter fraud before the election actually occurred, before any vote was officially recorded. But it shows us, Joe, that this is the new talking point, right? I mean, these unfounded, baseless accusations of voter fraud are here to stay. The recall's over, but this is the next thing to contend with. But this is a really high-stakes game of Russian roulette for Republicans because they really risk turning off voters. If you tell people over and over again that you can't trust elections, that you can't trust that your vote will be counted, a lot of people are not going to show up to vote. So I think what Republicans are trying to do is basically two things with these unfounded accusations of voter fraud. One, they're trying to give cover for restrictive voting laws throughout the nation. And we've talked about that a lot. In my view, these are laws that are just about making it more difficult for certain people to vote. And two, it allows Republicans to save face in the face of defeat. So this is the big issue we're going to have to contend with. One of the big issues, we can frame it more broadly as misinformation and disinformation. But that's my big takeaway is that we really need to find a way to talk to people who have been told over and over you can't trust the system, that in fact you can and you should and you should show up to vote because that's the only way our representative democracy works. So that was my big takeaway. But Joe, we can't end this episode without talking about my favorite TV segment from yesterday, which is seeing you on the national Fox channel, uh, Fox News. So can you tell us, there were a couple moments that just totally made me smile and you were great and you really um, held your own. You were there as the uh, no on recall voter. So can you tell us a little bit about what that experience was like? Oh my gosh, I certainly can. What a strange and interesting thing to transpire in my life, Jessica. I dipped my toes into the the fountain of punditry youth, I suppose, and got myself, got my face on the TV on a national scale, which is something that I don't get to do very often. It's somewhat rare for me. I've worked in media a long time. I don't do a lot of national TV, but I got an opportunity through the news grapevine that Fox News was looking for what is essentially the token liberal, someone who opposed the recall. And uh, my name came up in their Rolodex, and I got the call and decided I would do it, lay it all out there. Not the biggest fan of Fox News and how they go about doing what they do, but I figured it was an opportunity, one, just to kind of see the inside of that situation, and also to say something in the face of the disinformation and misinformation that we spend so much time talking about on this show, and I myself spend a lot of time talking about this in my personal spheres. This It's so dangerous, such a dangerous thing. 
So got on the air, and they had, they'd, they had set it up as a panel. It was me and then someone who was a business owner out in the San Fernando Valley area of Los Angeles who said that this person was a registered Democrat but was in favor of recalling Governor Newsom but was unabashedly in support of Larry Elder. So where they found a Democrat who supported Larry Elder, I'm not exactly sure, but I imagine Fox has a whole bullpen of those people just hanging around to get on the air. It was interesting. Uh, Like I said, it was a two-person panel and a six-minute segment, so I got maybe a minute and 45 seconds to talk. But uh, again, I don't do that kind of thing very often. I I try to take tips from you, Jessica, watching how you go about doing these things, and I've been very close to seeing people do media at this level for a long time. So it was fun to kind of be the person in the hot seat, you know, sit up straight, don't fidget with your hands. The sun was kind of in our eyes, so I felt like I was kind of squinty. And you can find it if you go back to the mid-afternoon show uh, on Fox News. You can find a link and you can see me on there, hopefully holding my own. And I very much appreciate the vote of confidence, Jessica. You did absolutely hold your own. And we'll link to that. We'll link to my op-ed and we'll link to that segment. I really enjoyed watching it and you definitely did not look nervous. I'll say that you looked very calm, cool and collected. And so this concludes our recall recap. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so very much, Jessica. We do love having these conversations. At least I love having these conversations with you and sometimes on national TV. I know you're up there quite a bit. We love sharing these conversations with our listeners. You can find Jessica on Twitter. Twitter? <laughs> you can find Jessica on Twitter and Instagram at Levinson Jessica. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and elsewhere at indepthday.com. You can find our podcast, Passing Judgment, to which you are currently listening on Twitter at Pass Judgment Pod and on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. Hopefully we won't have to deal with any recall elections anytime soon, but if we do, Jessica and I will bring you the entire story. So have a great day, everybody. Take care. Take care.